0: everyone welcome back or welcome to an all new episode of the 20 Percent podcast this is a show that brings you tips and tricks from industry professionals across all industries that you can implement in your current job today i'm your host tyler mekis and this week's guest is a laundry industry veteran but he always wasn't um now he and his wife are currently the owners of queen city laundry chain of laundromats in cincinnati ohio but their business only isn't just that which we're going to jump into as well this week's guest isn't has a really inspirational journey from uh, poverty growing up in Flint, Michigan to becoming a millionaire now who is um, h- helping inspire many entrepreneurs to to try and overcome their own obstacles as well while they're on their own journey to building wealth. Um, Dave's one of the most, oh, I wasn't supposed to say the name yet, but this person is also obsessively <laughs> driven to helping, teaching, and inspiring, um, inspiring others while elevating the laundromat industry. Um, and he's also known as the Laundromat Millionaire, and host the Laundromat Millionaire business podcast, which is a must listen as well. So please join me in welcoming the man who can help you launch, scale, and optimize all things laundromat, Mr. Dave Laundromat Millionaire Men's. What's going on, my friend?
1: Not much. How are you, man? It's an honor to be back on your show. Yeah. So Uh, that was- (laughs) Before we jump into it, I just want to say, man, proud of you. You've done a good job, come a long ways. You built a great podcast. It's helping a lot of people. I know it for sure follow you on social media and all that. and Just, uh, just proud of you, man. Keep grinding, keep working. People
0: don't realize how much work this takes, but uh, good job. Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate that as well. I mean, I know it's, um, it's not easy all the time you don't feel like keep doing it but that's uh that's a little bit more about the the mindset and seeing the the true value which i know we're going to get into some some mindset here as well um yeah. but you but as dave mentioned um dave was on episode 48 and this ep- this upcoming episode is going to be i think 177 or something like wow. that this was you. almost almost 2 years ago at this point dave so there's there's been a, a world of change so i'll i'll leave in the show notes um if you want to check out dave's background Um, It's episode 48. It's called The Craigslist Laundromat, Using Poverty as Motivation, Modernizing Antiquated Processes, and Not Letting Your Fear Paralyze You. So that was a lot about Dave's upbringing. I know I mentioned it in the intro, Um, but Dave, before we get into today's conversation, um, give everybody like a 90-second overview of who Dave Menz is and maybe even like where you came from and, and where you are today. And I know that's a lot for 90 seconds.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll do my best. So the, the the quickest version I know is I grew up pretty poor in Flint, Michigan. And I was a GM baby. So my entire family, you know, the entire Flint, Michigan area uh, back in the 60s, 70s uh, and 80s uh, was all revolved around the GM factories. And so I grew up grew up a very middle-class, uneducated lifestyle. My parents got married their senior year of high school and had my brother. So my entire life, we were basically behind the eight ball financially and otherwise. So that's kind of the backstory. Um, I always tell people, uh, you know, that sounds like a really sad childhood and upbringing. Uh, There was parts of it that weren't ideal for sure, Um, but at the end of the day, I actually look back on that childhood and a lot of the adversity that we faced, um, and I see it as a positive Um, when when I compare it to like my kids, who are you know growing up with a very privileged life in a lot of ways, I look at them and I I think I tell my wife all the time we have to add adversity into their life or they won't know how to overcome it because they wouldn't have any if we didn't create it for them. Um, so I actually see that as a positive, not a negative. Uh, if you've grown up with a you know with a lot of adversity in your life, maybe you can shift your mindset. And when I shifted my mindset in that way, not that I ever really felt sorry for myself, but when I shifted my mindset, I realized you know what that was maybe actually a benefit to me. Uh, compared to people that have grown up in a very charmed lifestyle or, you know, Mayberry type thing. So that's that. Uh, After that, um, I, you know, was not not a typical college person. I did try a year of community college. My grades were okay. I realized I hated it. Uh, Got an entry-level job at the local telephone company at 19 years old. Saw a way to grow a path for a career to that, uh, despite going to college. Uh, Worked there for 17 years, worked in five different departments, gained a ton of skills, a ton of experience that I'm grateful for to this day. Um, And at the end of my career, I ended up being a line man. I was the guy that climbed the telephone poles and fixed the phone lines. Uh, Did that for years. Eventually bought my own small business, a local laundromat, a couple miles from my house. And uh, it was a rundown dump. It was a hot mess. It was losing money when I bought it. I knew that. The owner was transparent about that. Uh, Bought it for, you know, a song and uh, put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that business. Took me about four or five years to really get it to be a thriving, profitable business um, it was profitable early on, but it took years of grit and uh, and keeping my hand out of the cookie jar, meaning not taking any money from the business, just continuing to reinvest it and work long hours to get the business to where it was. Uh, one turned into two, three, four. Um, I now own four laundromats, a chain here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, that was we got into the business back in 2010, and uh, in probably about 2019, probably 2019, 2020, I started doing a lot of consulting. And helping other laundromat owners to, as you mentioned, you know, launch scale and optimize their business, how to get into the industry right way. Uh, That turned into a lot of in-person workshops, Uh, our own conference that we put on called the Laundromat Millionaire Conference. And uh, now we have our own platform called the Laundromat Millionaire uh, platform, which is all geared around. I always tell people getting into the industry and finding success in the industry was very, very, very difficult for me back in 2010 to 2015-ish. And uh, I look back on that now and I say, it shouldn't be that difficult. And that's why we do the podcast. That's why we do the workshops. It's why we have resources, some for free and some for sale uh, on our website. It's why I do you know, podcasts like this is just to bring value to the entrepreneurial community. Um, I think it's super cool that people like you and I can connect and you have an audience and we can help each other in that way and we can help the audience. And that's something that is now, uh, I always tell people every day, this is not what I do. This is who I am. This yeah. is my life's work. This is what God put me here on this earth to do. And I will do it until the day that I die to the best of my ability. So, that, a little oh more my. than 90 seconds, but that's what you
0: get, Tyler. <laughs> all right. All right, everyone. Where can you learn more about Dave? Because that was great. Not Dave. So I don't know where else to go from there, Dave. That was that was there's so many different things to dive into. And I think that um, you know, obviously there's there's we'll we'll make sure we're talking about all of those different areas because there's so many nesting dolls to unpack if you will. Mm-hmm. Um but first and foremost, I think it, I think we need to start at at mindset, right? Because you're you're this um, you know, I'm just going to put you in a box, you're this poor kid, right? Or or a, you know, tough upbringing. But then you didn't take that you you didn't take that hard you could have taken that hardship and and went down a different path of um like self-destruction or whatever. You hear a lot of people who don't have the, you know, if they're impoverished or those kinds of uh, that upbringing, it could have demolished you, but you over time found a way to take that mind to to really strengthen your mindset and say hey these negative things that are happening to me right now are actually were in hindsight were beneficial right and And I've noticed that in my life as well, and a lot of, and I'm not saying I'm successful, but the other successful people that I hear have these same similar stories as well. So what it comes down to is really being able to understand, like, hey, I could only control the things that that I can control. Mm-hmm. Um I can't change some things outside of mine, but what I can't control is my effort, and that blood, sweat, and tears are going into it. But first things first, Dave, I mean, like when you're talking about young Dave, like, Did you always have this strong mindset knowing that that is going to be easy to, or (laughs) that you were going to take these tough things and say, oh, that's easy. It's going to make me so much better later on. Or is it, uh, what was the, like the learning of realizing like, hey, after I've gone through some of these things, it actually has done better, right? Yeah. I think the, a a little bit of all
1: the above is a quick answer. So I think uh, growing up, I was very stubborn. Um, You know, I love to read, even though I hated education, I loved learning, but I hated going to school, which we could talk about that on a whole episode, probably. (laughs) Uh, And so I always had the confidence. I knew I wasn't the best at school. I knew I didn't have the best memory. You know, everybody in my life kind of had that like resentment. The big man's keeping me down, you know, keeping the little man down. Pretty much most people in my life kind of had that mentality. And so that was what I heard a lot. And I just remember as a very young kid, I would read and you know podcasts weren't a thing but i mean you could find videos and things like that the internet didn't exist of course but you could find resources that would show you someone that had overcome adversity had overcome whatever obstacles they had in their life maybe it was a book whatever and i remember thinking to myself at a very young age i have all these adults who i love and respect for the most part um telling me that i can't do the i can't accomplish the dreams that I think I want, that I think I can. As a young kid, I was told, "Oh, you're young, you're naive. Wait till the mouth, you know, wait till the this world punches you in the mouth, then you'll realize it's not as easy as it sounds." I think a lot of adults, probably all adults, thought that I was kind of a pie-in-the-sky dreamer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always knew that I had this grit within me, and I always believed that there was, if there was, a few other people in the world that had come from a, a less than ideal place and accomplished whatever level of accomplishments you you want to claim. I believed if they could do it then why could not I I didn't care how hard it was hard work was not a, was not a problem for me effort was not a problem for me Um, I wasn't going to check boxes. That's part of why I hated formal education. I refused to check boxes and just go through the motions. And why do I have to take this class? Because the state says you do to get a high school diploma. And of course, I did check those boxes and got a high school diploma. When it came to college, I was like, I'm freaking done. Mm -hmm. Now it was like, for me, it was, and this was a little bit naive, but for me, it was all about trying to find my way. And what are the things that are going to help me accomplish my dreams in life? And if it wasn't going to do that, I wanted nothing to do with it. I always was, and I still am very hot and cold. If you can show me how that's going to benefit me, benefit other people, make the world a better place, uh, then I'm all in. Even if there's not a lot of money involved in that, I'm all about impact and mission and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you can't show me those things and you say, well, you just have to do this because some... Politicians said you do I'm like nope checking out f for me mark me down like i won't i just won't do it Mm -hmm. and you know that wasn't the best attitude to have as a child (laughs) Uh, i always say i wouldn't want to raise me because i was pretty obstinate in a lot of ways but the fact of the matter is what it really boiled down to tyler is i always 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 believed in my heart of hearts that if i worked hard enough and i stayed the course and i never gave up that i would find success i didn't i have everyone in my life telling me that i was a dreamer and that wasn't going to happen and I didn't believe a single one of them then, and I'm 47 years old today and I don't believe a single one of them today. Now, now we have shows like yours, shows like mine and a billion other, Joe Rogan's and all those guys and girls that are, you know, we're all sharing Uh, Because we have this great thing called the internet where we can easily share with each other. But back then, it wasn't easy to find that information. But all I had to do was find one story like that in a book. And that was all I needed. And I, the question that the adults could never answer for me that I would, I was very little and I would look at them and say, if that guy did it, or that girl did it, why can't I? And they could never answer that question, because there's not an answer. Now, I think they thought, you know, I was a chubby kid and physically probably a little lazy. I mean, I was willing to work hard, but I was physically a little lazy. Um, and maybe they just thought, well, you can, but you, I don't think you realize how hard that's going to be. But they didn't understand that my stubbornness, my obstinance, I knew that it could be turned for the positive. that can be a negative. It can get you in a lot of trouble. And it did at times for me. Mm -hmm. But if you use that stubbornness and that obstinance and say, no, 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 I have grit. I'm never going to quit. I will overcome every obstacle. You can knock me down a thousand times and I'll get up a thousand and one. And I always knew from a young age that I had that in me, no one could stop me. And that was, you know, that's, that still is to this day, my secret sauce. Like I always say, I'm not that smart, uh, but I'll outlast you. Like I will, I will never, ever, ever quit. And that is so powerful. The reason it's so powerful is you have complete control over it. You don't need anyone's permission. You don't need talents. You don't need gifts. I mean, I guess you do need health for a certain extent, but you know, you got to stay here on the earth, but short of that, like I'll outlast you. And that's still to this day, kind of my strategy. It might take me twice as long to accomplish something that you can accomplish, but I'm not going to worry about you. I'm not going to sit back and resent you. And woe is me. I'm just going to put my nose down and keep grinding. And the funny thing is, Tyler, you, I mean, you've done 170 of these episodes and I'm sure most of the people on this podcast have that mentality, but the truth is people with that mentality in the world are pretty rare. That's pretty rare. And so you actually do have gifts and talent. If you have that mindset and you're willing to put the work ethic in, you do have the ability to accomplish way more than you think you do. Even if the whole world says you don't, you
0: can just get up every day and make the choice to never quit. Dude, that is so fantastic. I, like I'm gonna I, I'm very excited to sit back and just keep listening to all of there's there's so many things to jump into on the, on that side too but I think the biggest lesson there is just showing up and not not listening to what other people are saying about you whether the negativity right like no matter if you're dave Menz, you're got you're you're hearing negative things I'm sure or you're mm-hmm. hearing um you know whether you're a professional athlete they're getting a lot of things or celebrities right you can't focus on those things or can't believe everything that you hear the, the same thing about being able to Get, get ourselves out there on the internet is the, also also could be a potential curse because we're going to get some things back as well. But having that mindset of saying, Hey, this isn't going to break me. Or I'm going to keep going through this. You know, whether you're, whether you're uh, a college athlete, trying listening to this and, and really focused on trying to do that or trying to find your way in, in those things, or you're in, you're in your thirties, or you're 47 like Dave, and you're still trying to figure out your ways going in and being consistent and, and always showing up is, is, um, I mean, that's something that you could control. Now, now, um, it's there's so many. I mean, like any other thoughts or feedback on that, Dave?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, I, that's that's kind of my, I guess that's my core belief. Um, you know, the old the old uh, football adage. I think it's uh, maybe Vince Lombardi. You know, it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down, as long as you get back up. I always looked at that and said, I have control over that. I don't need anyone's permission, and I think everyone does. Yeah, that is so pretty simple. It's it's pretty, really, pretty simple. It's not complicated stuff. And uh, you know, sometimes we just need to hear it from other people. I didn't need to hear it from other people. I just believed it. And when I had a thousand people tell me the
0: opposite, I didn't believe them. Right. You know what's inside you. So know your know your own worth, and not letting other people do that too is is really valuable. Now, mm-hmm. so you learned a lot of these things, I'm sure, because of your upbringing and those people telling you those kinds of things. But let's shift it a little bit back to um to the um like parenting mindset and like the college versus not going to college thing. Right. Because you said before, Hey, I mean, college is not for everybody. And Definitely. I think traditionally it, it's always been, you need to go to college because that's what everybody does. Mm-hmm. However, some of the most successful people that I know have not gone to college. Right. And there's nothing wrong with it. You're developing those business skills and you're learning things in other ways it's not always necessary for college right so let's bring it back to like uh, maybe just for maybe your your kids for example right like you you said hey um we could cover a couple, of, couple different topics in this right so you learned all of this mindset when you were growing up in these hard times and navigating that to that hard work into what you're doing right now and now you have these kids who you know you've told me before oh they're spoiled and like maybe the, the, these things right which rightfully so you're giving your kids a life that maybe you wish you had or that it's just fortunate enough to be able to do now you said hey to your wife you have to pull back and say like hey we need to give them some adversity so that there's just not you know uh one of the, the the lines that i love is um being born on third base and thinking that you hit a triple and not having that same mindset for your kids right so yep. for your kids number one how do you go about trying to and maybe add some of that potential adversity so they could develop that stronger mindset and then at the same token if your kids are 15 16 years old trying to figure out what you're going to do. Would Dave men say hey you guys need to go to college or how do you navigate as a parent as a father mm-hmm. how you're going to do that for your kids because this is important. I I selfishly yes. want this because yeah. um I have I have super important important. kids as well but um mm-hmm. it's 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 really huge like you said super important. So my kids
1: might have uh, and I this sounds very elitist but they might have as close to a perfect upbringing as possible. And I say that because of the two sides of their family. Um, I don't know that they, re- and first of all, let me be very clear. My kids are spoiled, but they are not spoiled rotten. My kids are very well behaved. I have a philosophy. I say, I will spoil my kids. And the second they behave like a spo- spoiled brat, I will take everything in their life away from them. They will find out what mild childhood was like very quickly. <laughs> they will get nothing. And they know that. Uh, so so they have the, the, the quote unquote tough love dad who right. wants to protect them from some of the things that I had to experience in my childhood that I wish I don't want them to have to experience. Right. But then the other side of the equation, they have my wife, who's first of all, the most amazing wife and mother on planet earth, just emotionally and affectionately and all those things. But career-wise, we're a really good balance because she is the complete opposite of me. She's the type of person that never got to be in her life. She was valedictorian in high school valuatorian in college, valuatorian of her master's program. She's never had to be in her life. She has multiple master's degree, multiple degrees. Um, and, and, and school always came very easy to her. And she could have, you know, she could be making five, six, $700,000 a year if she wanted to. Um, now she's more focused on her family. So she doesn't have that type of career, but she could have. And she, so we have, you know, my, what my kids see both sides of the equation. They know my story. They know I didn't go to college. They know that I got myself in trouble. They obviously know that I'm a successful entrepreneur, and they ask all kinds of business questions. Uh, we definitely put adversity in front of them because I always tell her, "You never know what their life is going to be like. Just because this is our life, what if they? You know, most people don't go through life and never experience adversity. That's not usually how it works. And they, we need to be able to coach them and love them through this adversity. And sometimes that means putting it in front of them when we don't have to, like. Perfect example is my kids have always, since they could walk almost, cut the grass in our in our family. Now we pay someone to clean the house and do other things, but they clean their rooms. So we always tell them, like, we do well. You don't do well. <laughs> we do well. There are some things you get to live in a nice house and you know, we have reliable cars and we go on nice vacations, but that a lot of that's based on your attitudes and things like that. So I don't know if that makes sense, but my kids have a really um unique view on life. Because unlike me, they have been told their whole life that for the most part, there's not much they can't accomplish. I always tell them you're never going to be 6'9 and play in the NBA. But for the most part, you can accomplish most things you want to. But you need to understand that it may look easy to you what daddy accomplished, but it it required an insane amount of grit and adversity and work ethic. Um, And whether you go to college or not is what we tell them. To be successful and to be a value asset in this world to society, you will need to have those character traits. You will need to have grit. You will need to have a good work ethic. You will need to be honest, behave with a character and integrity. What we always have taught them is if you happen to go to college and we can afford to pay for you to go to college and they're good students. So if they're 13 and 16, by the way, if you decide to go to college, that will be a tool in your tool belt that daddy doesn't have. There have been things that I've had to overcome because I didn't have that degree. Um, not so much in the entrepreneurship world, but in the corporate world for sure. There was a lot of times I was passed up for promotions and things like that because I didn't check a box. And I've told them, we don't know. You know, you don't know what you want to do with your life. <clears throat> Depending on what you do, for example, if you want to become a doctor or a lawyer, you got to go get a college degree. There's no way around it. And so, since you don't know what you want to be, it's probably best to go ahead and get that degree. But make no mistake, if my kids were me, which was pretty adamant that college wasn't for me, formal education wasn't for me, and that I was going to make a life for myself anyways, my children are told every day, absolutely, you can do that too. Don't let anyone in this world tell you you can't. And they know if you want to talk about a formal education and a corporate career and the the traditional path to success, uh, then, then listen to mommy and watch mommy's path. If you want to go the other way, look at Dowdy's. And by the way, it's not an either or. You can you can have a really delicate balance of both of those things. So what we've done as an example is we've, you know, we we require them to get good grades, they go to a great school, we pay extra for them to go to that school out of state, all these different things. But we also do is require them to be entrepreneurial. And so they have businesses that they've saved up for and invested their own money. They have little sticker machines and claw machines and our laundromats that they have to order the product for the inventory. They have to track. They have to check their expenses. Uh, they have to, you know, do a p and on their business, and then they deposit their profits. And my 16-year-old has, you know, almost $20,000 in the bank for his first car. So I'm not going to buy his first car for him. He has bought his first car, but he's had that business since he was five. Like, he's had that business for 11 years, making money for himself. He has more money than most 16-year-olds do, and I've never given him a penny. We didn't even give him a loan to get it started. We said, no, you got to, I mean, he'd go out and pick up sticks in the yard before my daughter, who's quite a bit older, would mow the lawn uh, when we were younger. And I'd say, well, you're not old enough to mow the lawn, but I'll, you know, you go pick up the sticks in the yard, throw them back in the woods, and I'll pay you to do that. So I—that's an example of adversity. Like I could have hired somebody to cut the grass and throw the sticks in the lawn, you know, in the in the wheat, in the word, excuse me, in the woods, Uh, but instead, I required my daughter to experience that adversity in the same way. So I don't know if that makes sense, but my my our our boys and even our daughters, to a certain extent, um, have grown up in a very supportive lifestyle that encourages them to look at, I don't know if both sides of the aisle is fair, because it's not a political thing, yeah. uh, but it's just like, there's more than one way to be successful. And we always try to show them that there's a hundred hybrid ways to be successful. There are plenty of people, you know, I say it all the time. I know tons of people that are successful. They don't have degrees. Well, guess what I also know. I know tons of people that are very successful with incredible work ethics, incredible grit, who have college degrees too. Mm-hmm. So this is not an either or proposition, right? (laughs) So that's kind of, that's the upbringing that we're, you know, and we're not perfect. I hope that didn't come across that way as parents. We're pretty flawed, Uh, but we try to really balance the whole like uh, grit and ambition and uh, overcoming adversity type of mentality that I had to come up with, with the loving and encouraging, you know, we always joke with my wife, she grew up in kind of a Mayberry setting, very middle-class, you know, her parents worked very hard and, and, and kind of protected their children from a lot of things. And she grew up just, she, she doesn't know any other environment than love and encouragement and things like that. And it's, you know, that's, that's not exactly the same
0: environment that I grew up in, but we both arrived at a very similar place for very different reasons. Dave, I love that. And it's so cool to hear because like you guys are the, like the perfect yin and yang too, right. Of Mm -hmm. the, the we really are. We really are both side of that aisle too. And I think it's really pr- interesting. And, um, that's, we're not going down the political path for sure. Yes. Um, but, um, but to that point though, like it doesn't have to be either, or like most of the country is probably when we're talking political, is probably more in the center than when they are on these polars mm-hmm. Anyway, sure. this team goes with, with what weird, what you were just talking about as well. You can pick and choose a la carte of what you want to do. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's so it, it's, I was like, almost cried tears of happiness when i'm hearing about how you're going about trying to get your kids involved with the business because they are learning like i don't know i don't know a PL. i don't know how to manage those kinds of things and like that's why i think it's so important for these high school and college age kids to to develop some of these foundational skills because they who knows where they're coming from specifically because mm-hmm. they don't know if it's is it dave's background or is it carla's background mm-hmm. don't know that they're all funneling into at that point, they're going to come to a head and decide what am I actually going to do with my life if they don't have entrepreneurial parents who are who are helping to coax them along those lines as well and navigate that much like some of the upbringing, you know, that, that you've had. And I'm, I know I'm probably generalizing on that, but, um, but the point being is that, you know, that there is both sides of that. And your kids, I, I think about this all the time too, because it's like, from the 170 something episodes uh, one of the biggest things is that the skills that you develop in some of your early years are really the foundation to your life and mm-hmm. that grit and that determination and that hard work and that nobody's going to stop me is what i characterize some of what i hear from your early bringing but it's cool that your your kids will be able to look back if what i'm interviewing your kids 20 years from now which um will be will be cool when we do that we'll, we'll have a <laughs> time timestamp um, but uh, you know, it's like, hey, what was the biggest lesson that your dad taught you? And it's like, or your parents? It's like, oh man, they taught me this, and I I had to do this growing up, and then later on, I became this. Like we know that that opening is still there, but I think it's really cool to say, hey, I know that I only as a parent, uh, and you're a lot further to your kids leaving the nest than me, so I, I can't even imagine how how so that feels. But like as a parent, we need to uh, like we can only give into we have 18 years to give as much as we humanly possibly can and then you're not always you're not fully on your own i'm always here to support you but i you don't have the same protections and the same oversight or the view on these kids but i think that one of the cool things that you're doing too with your kids is you're setting you're setting like parameters of like what is what is good and what you what is not good right like perfect example of this i just got my old playstation 4 out a couple couple weeks or a couple days ago and my son started to play it um and he he's under five so it's like oh should we you know it's like we don't want you to play this too much Mm -hmm. but every time we go in the basement, he's like i want to play i want to play say hey you that is a privilege Mm -hmm. and if he gets upset about it say we need to clean up toys and that and then we'll be able to to do that so Mm -hmm. it's teaching you like hey i could take this thing i said if you don't want to do that and you're going to kick and cry I will take that PlayStation away from you in 1 second and you will not have it. So yeah. do we so let's think again what do we want to do? And it's that same thing that you're doing just in a different context. So it's you know and again it's it's um it's just all about teaching people lessons th- across the board. Yeah, now,
1: some of the some of the best advice I ever received and this is regarding parenting, but uh some of the best advice I ever received for parenting was from a mentor at a church of mine who I don't think they even really realized they were a mentor, but they were. I respected them. I looked up to them. I asked them questions and they answered them. They mentored me. And they told me very early when my daughter was pretty young, they said, the most important thing to remember about raising uh, children is that you're not raising children. You're raising adults. And that has stuck with me. It might be the most impactful quote I've ever heard in my life. And it was from a very wise, uh, not old man, but older than me. I was pretty young. I was in my 20s. Uh, And I will never forget it. And I have been able to, which this is just something my brain does. I've been able to take that and twist that even into my business um, and say, okay, I'm not creating a product. I'm creating a business. I'm not creating a job. I'm creating a business that is independent of Dave. Now, there will be many times when the business needs Dave, and that'll probably never change. But the less of those times that the business needs me, so I was able to draw an entrepreneurial parallel. It made me a much better uh, husband, a much better dad, because instead of worrying about giving my children the best childhood possible, sometimes the best, what our vision of the best childhood possible is, is just everything we didn't have. All the privileges and all the benefits and all the spoiled and the unconditional love and all those things, and and that's all awesome, right? But if that's all your kid ever experiences, they're not ready to be an adult. This world will eat them alive. Does that make sense? So no, it's, it's always I mean, it's always clicked in my mind from a from a honestly just even being a husband, just being a good a good you know spouse, mm-hmm. uh, but raising children, and then I drew the parallel into business because when I first got into business, I thought I was creating a product, right? I thought I was creating this, like, obviously we're talking about laundromat. So I thought I was creating this room that had washers and dryers that worked and washed people's clothes. That's the functional commodity mindset product of a business. And whatever I had to do to do that, I did. And then I realized, no, 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 I'm not creating a product. I'm creating a business, Right. Uh, it has a has different layers associated with it, even even little things like vending and drop off laundry and wash, dry, fold and pick up and delivery and things like that. But then I did create created all that around me. And I said, oh, I didn't create a business. I created a job. So I didn't create I didn't raise children. I raised adults. And I drew that parallel. And it's I guess what I'm saying is that one quote that I honestly can't even remember who it was. I just know it was somebody at my church many, many years ago has made me a better husband. It's made me a better parent. It's made me a much better entrepreneur.
0: See, and we have no, that person when they were giving you, you that advice, you have no they idea. Probably They probably said it so casually. <laughs> right, and it's interesting though because like the things that we hear, like words matter, right? Not yeah. to get too like woo-woo on that, yeah. but like that's why it's so important to show up and be in your authentic self or try to yeah. be in a, a good attitude because you never know how you're going to influence somebody's life and what they're going to take and how they could change that and how it could alter you had it that that person had an impact, and they weren't even trying to be intentional about it. So yep. if you do it, I think if you add that extra intentionality with that extra gasoline onto the fire, I guess if you will, mm-hmm. that the sky's the limit there. Now,
1: well, and the other the other side of the equation there too, Tyler, is I could have completely disregarded what the person said, but I have thought about that quote for twenty five years, and I've drawn different parallels to business and like that. That he wasn't talking about business. He wasn't talking about being a good spouse. He was talking about raising children and he was probably even talking about raising godly children. To be honest, it's probably, he was probably talking from a faith perspective. um, But I drew all these other parallels from it that he might not have even meant. So there's an awful, there's an awful lot of wisdom and just just
0: quick little flippant comments and quotes, but you have to be willing to hear them. Yes. And be opening to listen. And that's one of the big lessons that I try to help um, anybody, right? Like why would I, you know, like, and this goes pretty well into what you're doing with, Um, you know, with, with the, the, um, the laundromat millionaire platform and trying to help people go along and help their journey. Right. You could easily, they could easily go and figure it out, you know, them themselves or um, but they could make a lot of mistakes. However, if you have some of these people around you who are constantly giving you feedback or wisdom advice and trying to clear the path for you moving forward. I mean, it's, it's so much uh, you're, you're trying to ease people's lives that way too. Um, so you're spot on, I think. And I think the other big lesson there is like building a, building a, uh, like you're building a business and not just products. There's, you're not just focused on the what, but you're focused on the experience, right? And I think that customer experience and trying to maximize that is something that a lot I've seen a lot of, I talk to a lot of customers and a lot of companies and they aren't able to do that. So I think that the fact that you have that big focus there too, is really, um, is really crucial now. Let's talk to you a little bit more, talk more. I know we only have a couple minutes here, um, but talk to me a little bit more about, um, like you mentioned it was important or you've, all, you've heard a lot of like gurus or to becoming millionaires, you need to diversify your business. But you were just telling me before how you, you, you had, you know, outside of once you, once you own the laundromat, you've owned small real estate firms or little small companies, but you really just got rid of all of them because you wanted to hyper-focus on what you're doing. And I think interestingly, interestingly enough, you still found a way to diversify your business, even though you're only, or diversify your business interests in one industry. So can you talk to me a little bit more about how, how you think about that as well and why you wanted to consolidate down to the laundromat industry and helping those? Well, I think a little bit of it's just my
1: personality, which not everybody's me. So once again, not suggesting you just do what Dave did. Um, I'm a very obsessive personality, very black and white, very hot and cold. There's not much middle ground for me. I'm either in love with you, or I probably hate you. Like that's just my nature, right? Not always a good thing, but it is what it is. So that, and then another, I think another aspect to it was I realized as I started to build these other businesses, because I'm this obsessive personality, I really frustrated myself with distractions, and I wasn't able. To, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I don't know if perfectionist is the right word, but I'm somebody that wants to chase excellence all the time. I'm not okay being average, and I'm certainly not okay being anything less than average. I want to chase excellence. I'm okay not being there today. I'm not okay chasing what I call the next ceiling. You know, I've shattered five or six ceilings in my life that I thought were the ceiling to my life. And this isn't even always necessarily financially too, but, um, and, and I've realized every time that there's always another level. And so now I'm kind of obsessed with chasing the next level. What is the unknown? What is the level that I didn't even know that existed, let alone that I could accomplish? And what I've learned, at least for me personally, is the only way that I can accomplish excellence, great things, is by obsessing in one industry. And this is obviously professionally and entrepreneurial. Um, the reason that people tell us to diversify is it, it, that's smart advice, right? They're talking financially, and they're what when we diversify, it revenues and income streams. What we're doing is we're lowering risk, right? If one doesn't work, the other one will still pay the bills, et cetera. That's the thought. And then that's very smart. But let me give an example of how I've diversified my businesses in the laundromat industry. So we own four laundromats. Uh, I won't go into what we used to own because we sold it all, but we own four laundromats. Two of them we lease, two of them we bought the commercial property for. One of them, we had a right of first refusal to buy a small shopping center um, that we haven't purchased yet because they won't sell. But if they ever sold, we would buy that. Three of our four businesses operate in those commercial buildings. Those are separate legal entities. Those commercial properties are separate legal entities. Our laundromat business, which is a separate entity, each one of them, signs a lease with our commercial property. But guess what we're guaranteed of? if we run successful laundromat businesses, our commercial properties are guaranteed to receive rent. So we're taking money out of one pocket, putting it in the other pocket. There's also tax benefits to those things, but I won't go into that as well. Commercial you know, property income is, is taxed differently than, than business income and things like that. So that's one example. Another example is some of our laundromats are only what they call self-serve laundromats. Most of them are what they call full-service laundry centers. Self-serve laundromat is when someone comes in, They pay to rent the machines, you know, no matter how they pay, credit card, debit card, whatever, they pay to rent the machines, they provide their own labor. We've diversified within the business, and we now offer, instead of what we call retail laundromats, we offer full-service laundry centers. So in two of our stores, we offer drop-off dry cleaning. This doesn't require any investment from us. It just required a negotiation of a contract, finding a local dry cleaner that will do wholesale dry cleaning for us. So we didn't build a dry cleaning plant. But what we did is managed a relationship, a, a partnership, if you will. And we said, hey, we'll we'll give you a guaranteed amount of business, and we'll bring it all to you. You give us a wholesale rate. We'll market up the retail, and we'll keep the difference, okay? That's another revenue stream within our business. We launched drop-off laundry, which is exactly what it sounds like. We have attendants in our stores that clean our stores. You know, they're the sheriff. They make sure nobody does anything stupid and breaks machines and helps people with problems and all those things. Well, that job doesn't keep them busy 24-7. And so what we also do is have a drop-off laundry service where you, Tyler, can walk into my laundromat. Instead of doing your own laundry, you can walk up to the counter, we'll weigh the laundry, we charge by the pound, and our attendants in their downtime will do your laundry for you. We provide the labor, but it's obviously a significant upcharge. It's another level of service in our business. Then we have, one of our locations runs a fairly robust fleet of drop-off laundry vans. So we have four vans that go around around the city every day and pick up and drop off laundry from way outside of our service area. So they go about 30 miles in any one direction from our store, people won't drive 30 minutes to your laundromat to drop off. But if you set up routes and you offer these fleets of vehicles in these different areas and you set it all up and you can charge accordingly. So we have what we call a good, better, best business model. So these are all forms of diversification. Some people call them different revenue streams. Some people call them ancillary income. The pickup and delivery business is a completely separate entity. It actually signed a contract with our retail laundromat to handle the logistics for pickup and delivery laundry service. And it contracts through through a formal legal contract, it contracts to our uh, retail business, the ability for them to process the laundry professionally. It, we've split the profits so that everybody benefits. Then you can take it, now you can turn it into a whole different thing and say, that's, that's six, seven different ways of diversification in and of itself, right? Just from a simple retail laundromat. Then you say, okay, I've been in the business for years. And uh, in, in my experience in the industry, I now am a veteran. People respect me. They look up to me. Uh, you know, They ask me questions. They want me to help them all the time. And we're in a situation where now people start five years ago or so, people start coming to me for advice. So I coach and people pay me for coaching. Well, because I built a team that runs my businesses, I no longer own a business. I never own no longer own a job. I now own a business. The business runs without me. So that allowed me to step out of the business. When I stepped out of the business, I was in my early forties. I could have retired. I could have just, you know, sat back and done nothing the rest of my life, kept an eye on my businesses and done nothing. And and this wasn't really intentional, but what I started doing is saying, I have this extra time and I see other laundromat owners struggling. I remember what it was like to struggle for 10 years it shouldn't be that difficult. I think I'm going to reach out and help them. Now, first, I didn't even charge. I just helped people because I had time and was passionate and wanted to help people. A lot of people don't know this about me, but I did basically worked full time coaching other laundromat owners for about three years without ever charging anyone a penny. Well, it, I loved it, but it took over my life. And my wife was like, what in the world is like going on? You're working a full-time job, but not being paid. And, you know, I know the businesses take care of us financially, but what's happening? I was talking to a mentor one day and the mentor said, Dave, I told, he said, what's the most frustrating part of coaching? And I said, it's investing time and energy in people that I know aren't going to go do anything with it. And he, and I thought, wow. Or he said, wow. He said, you know what you need to do to, to, you know, have the cream rise to the top is you need to start charging for your coaching. And he said, the people that really value your teachings, that are going to go and do something in the world with the knowledge and the experience you have, they're going to happily pay you for your time. And I didn't know I was starting a coaching business, but that's what I did. Well, that turned into a podcast. It turned into, okay, I can charge people a lot of money for coaching, but what about all the other people that maybe can't afford the coaching? Because there was plenty of days where I couldn't afford the coaching. And I'm, I'm passionate about my mission. And I said, how can I help those people? Well, I can launch a podcast and it's one to many, right? So I can produce a podcast with either interviews or my own knowledge and experience, and that can live out there forever and ever. Amen. And it you know costs me some time and energy to, to produce one episode, but then it sits there and it helps people forever and ever. And that started the brainstorm and that turned into now we do workshops where people fly into cincinnati from all over the country we do four or five workshops a year where we teach people how to get into the industry how to be successful in the industry and how to launch wash dry fold and pick up and delivery and build a full service laundry center well that creates significant revenue for us and then we turn that into things like additional partnerships because now we have this audience of people that follow our podcast and follow us on social media because we're giving them value, sometimes paid value, sometimes free value. Other people in other industries started coming to us and saying, hey, we want access to your audience. How can we create a partnership? And I looked at my industry and I looked at the problems that face us laundromat owners and said, okay, entrepreneurs are all about solving problems. How can I create another business with a rockstar partner? that solves a problem for not just me as a laundromat owner, but for all laundromat owners and all dry cleaning owners. And that's when we launched like Boost, which you're familiar with. That's a digital marketing company where we niche. We only do digital marketing products and services for laundromats and dry cleaners. And that's a, it sounds like a small number, but there's actually about 30,000 laundromats alone in the United States, not to mention internationally. And then there's about another 15,000 dry cleaners so we're a you know, small team of eight or 10 people. Uh, and so we, we brought on a COO for that. And we're trying to scale that business right now by just serving a specific niche. So if you back up to the beginning of everything I just said, you'll see 10, 15, 20 different legal entities, different bank accounts, different sets of books, different profit margins. Each one of these are their own separate business. Now they're all in one industry, but if any one of them, if, if Launder Boost goes under, I'll be just fine. If my store in Anderson Township, my laundromat in Anderson Township goes out of business, I'll be just fine. And I could go on and on forever, but I think everybody gets the idea. So that's how I've taken this obsessive personality that I have, my knowledge of one specific industry, and my heart that has a mission for helping other laundromat owners to serve their communities in amazing ways, And I didn't even talk about my book, which is right above my head there. But I mean, I wrote a book about my story, too. Um, And even coming on podcasts like this and sharing entrepreneurial knowledge and experience will help people that maybe even aren't in our industry. And these are leading to other opportunities. There's some things I can't talk about right now, but there's other partnerships and opportunities that are coming. And we're recording this in January 2024. uh, And there's other partnerships and opportunities that I'm working with right now, some with large corporations, some with other entrepreneurs to create other partnership businesses that will bring value to our industry. That is as much diversification as owning 10 different businesses in 10 completely different industries. The difference is I get up every day and I obsess about the laundromat industry. That's what I do. They have to get up to, to achieve excellence at the level that we have. They have to get up and obsess over 10 different industries. I don't have to do that. And so it just makes sense to me. And like I said, not for everybody, just my personality, that this is how I achieve. This is how I lower my risk. This is how I achieved hopefully tremendous wealth for my family over my lifetime. I have financial freedom. I can stop doing any of these things. Any, I can stop doing coaching tomorrow. I could not do another episode of my podcast and I would be totally fine. So I'm only doing things that I love doing. I'm getting up every day and i'm chasing the things that give me energy that feed me and make me a better version of myself and now the best part which doesn't come with a revenue stream the best part is a couple of years ago my my beautiful wife carla left her career as, as a school teacher and she joined the laundromat millionaire business full time and so now i work every day with the love of my life we spend all day every day together and i know that's not for everybody and it might not even be for a lot of people But we make it work really well because going back to the beginning, talking about her education and all these things, she handles a lot of the administrative and the technical. She edits our podcast and does a lot of those type of things where I'm more about relationships and social media and coming up with ideas for the podcast and finding guests.
0: And we complement each other very well, but I live my best life with my best friend. That's so fan. there's there's so many levels to that first and foremost, kudos to you, man. Like I, I can't even imagine you have this mission of like, hey, I want to go out and I want to help others. Once you already were in the laundromat industry and you're like, all right, I want to go and help others, when you started to help those other people, you found ways over time to help other people as a result of helping people, right? Mm-hmm. Because you were able to monetize those things, which then you you could use that money to go and make yeah. a bigger impact. But it all starts with, focusing on that important thing that you're really passionate about and going forward as well. That's the same kind of lesson that I'm teaching to a lot of these kids when they're trying to figure out what they want to do Um, or just, you know, so it's like the self, like you have to do a self-assessment almost like whether you're a kid. And I say kid just because that's like what's top of mind, but um, whether it's a kid, whether it's um, that middle-aged person or somebody later in their career, who's trying, who's been doing something for 20 years and trying to find something different. Right. Right finding the things that, what have you done in the past and you like, what lights you up and what gets you excited to show up every single day, much like what Dave just said. And those kind of passions will drive you. We've all worked in jobs, I think, where you've, you've gone in and like, didn't like what you want. And it's awful to, it's hard to wake up. But there's some other people and some of the entrepreneurs that I talked to in just the various conversations. It's like, these people are waking up earlier and earlier each day because they're so passionate about going out and solving that problem. So whatever it is in the world that that big problem is that you want to solve for, number one, think about it. Think about what kind of problem, what impact do you want to have? And then at that same token, say, how could I go do that? Um, So (laughs) I know that that was a a whole bunch right there. But but David, any other final thoughts before I ask my favorite question on every single episode?
1: Um, I think the only final thoughts that I have is one, I made that sound really simple and really easy. (laughs) (laughs) just go do it, it. <laughs> it's simple uh so one thing i do want to say is uh you know in my earlier entrepreneurial days uh, it makes me sound very unselfish but in my early entrepreneurial days i was grinding and i was very selfish you know i'm looking at your book behind you start with why and, and that's a very popular book that i've read three or four times now and the truth is early on i was everything i did uh, 90 90 to 100 hour work weeks for five years the reason I did all those things, my why was my family. I was trying to build independence for my family so that we didn't rely on any corporation or job to lay us off or not lay us off, to give us a raise or not give us a raise. That was it. It was very, very selfish. Once I accomplished some reasonable you know, uh, goals in life, then I was in a position where I could be a little bit more giving. So um, once I was a little bit more giving, then I could look for opportunities to help others. And I very much shifted my focus from probably a pretty selfish perspective to a very unselfish perspective. And when I shifted that focus, I want everybody to hear this loud and clear. When I shifted from a selfishness, where I was only focused on me and my family, when I was doing that, I made some money. I did well financially. When I shifted from financial freedom and I shifted into a place of unselfishness, and the only thing I looked for were opportunities to make the world a better place, to serve communities, to help laundromat owners, to not have to go through the things I went through to accomplish the success I accomplished. I found a level of life that I never knew existed. It was completely and totally by accident. Okay. None of this thing, none of the things I just described to you were intentional in the macro level, right? They were all intentional in the micro level, not in the macro. So I want people to understand a couple of things. One of them is There's nothing wrong with, and you should, take care of your family first. You should grind and hustle and work as hard as possible. And when you reach a level of financial freedom that you can, quote, unquote, retire, whether it's at 30, 60, or 80, whatever it is, then you can decide whatever you want to do with your life. And that's completely up to you. Now, I stumbled upon the idea that I wanted to see how big of an impact I could make on the life, on on this world. But when I started doing that from a very unselfish way, the financial aspect of it, the partnerships, the, the financial benefits started to and continue to just flow into my way. Now, I'm not suggesting every one of them worked out perfectly. Some of them don't work out. Some of them work out great. But the cool thing is you have this freedom and it's all it, it all comes from a place of selfishness early on, which is which is honestly probably a requirement for us. You know, we got babies to take care of. Nobody's going to come take care of them for us. We got to do what we got to do if that means working 90 hours a week. So I don't know if I did a good job of framing that for everyone, but I just want people to understand there's nothing wrong with being selfish and working hard. When I talked about owning a business rather than a job and a job rather than a product, I've owned all those and there's a time and a place for all those things. So don't try to build a business too quick when you haven't built a product yet, right? You you can't, I'm not suggesting to jump from square one to square a hundred. I'm suggesting that as you evolve through this process, through this entrepreneurial journey just keep your eyes open and keep your heart open and look for ways to help others and my why has changed my my primary why will always be my family but my family doesn't have to worry about much anymore um and so i can shift to now my why is changing the world
0: wow that is so that is there that is so powerful the line that you said i, I had opportunities to serve communities uh, to accomplish uh, the success that I found, or when you started doing that, rather, you mm-hmm. found a new nev- level of life. And exactly. I think it's so cool that you've taken all the things that you've done before, you've broken uh, all these ceilings, you've um, you've done done all of these different iterations and renditions and whether it was a product and a company to everything you just mentioned, there's a couple of things that did not change throughout the course of that life. And it's the hard work and determination the For never sure. giving up and knowing exactly why you're doing the things that you do And those are the important skills. Those are some of the foundations I believe that others need to learn to have a more successful life. And then you could start adding on the, um, it's just being intentional about it at first of why Mm -hmm. am I actually doing this and having a really compelling why? Cause I think that that's one of my superpowers, Mm -hmm. but then that next level, um, which I'm excited about, um, getting to that point is the the shift from, cause my, my why is to give my family the best possible life that Mm -hmm. I can. What does that mean? It's by giving them um, opportunities to have memories. And, you know, I want to own a shore house at some point, not to say I have a beach house, but Mm -hmm. so that I can make memories with my family there. So Mm -hmm. like, that's just one example of that. But then once you start taking care once I know that I could, if I I need to be in a really good spot financially to buy that home, Mm -hmm. to do that. So I know that everything else is going to be taken care of. So I'm not worried about, well, you're not worried about just trying to make the electric bill. Well, that's Mm -hmm. important to to do but Um, when you're looking at that bigger like i'm going to try to that shift from helping family to changing the world is a massive one but it it takes those steps of hard work and determination throughout yeah
1: tyler life is full of seasons and and i never knew that when i was younger so maybe we're talking to a few young people out there today i'm sure we are life is full of seasons so there's a season when we're single there's a season when we're a young married, you know, they call it the honeymoon phase. We're a single where you're having babies and they're keeping you up at night and all you're trying to do is get an hour of sleep. There's a seasons in, in career and entrepreneurship and all those things too. And all we do is just evolve from one to the next. So we set goals, we accomplish goals, we achieve goals, and then we reset our life for what is next and our why, you know, our core why, if, if we're. Uh, if we're in the right place mentally is always going to be our babies, our family, our spouses first, that's never going to change. But hopefully if you do this over a lifetime, you don't just get by. You actually build wealth, you build financial freedom, you build independence. And if you accomplish that at a fairly young age, what you'll find is one of the seasons of life is just finding a place of being able to um, just dream a dream of like, I can, I can do, I can do nothing for the rest of my life where I can do things I never thought were possible. And once you reach that certain level of freedom, you're like, Hey, why not chase the, you know, the, the dreams that I never thought were possible. And if you come up short, your family's
0: still going to be okay. Right. Absolutely, man. And that's so cool stuff. It's, It's, it is, it is really cool. And I just want to say, thank you so much for on behalf of everybody listening and more importantly, myself selfishly really um, to hear that because sometimes you need to hear those people, those, those everyday people, right. Who are doing incredible things and, Um, I know we didn't get to talk about it today, but like the, you know, some people, you don't need to work at the, the earliest, sexiest VC backed company to be successful in life. Right, there's there's a lot of things to be done in a variety of industries. So, um, so thank you so much, Dave, for being somebody who I look up to as a mentor. um, For all of the people that you help from the laundromat industry as well as transferring out, you're absolutely living your mission of um, changing the world. Um, So, wanted to say thank you for that. Now, final question. I love to ask every single guest on the show, and now I'm going to tailor it a little bit differently for this conversation, and you'll get why. My typical question I ask is if you were teaching a college 101 course based upon all of your previous life and work experience, what would you teach and why? But I want to take that college part out because maybe we don't need that part. It's mm-hmm. if you were teaching your 16-year-old self um, uh, 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 some kind of course or some something to learn, what would you be teaching in that and why?
1: Well, this is going to sound pretty uh, pretty cliche maybe in a way, but I think it would just be entrepreneurship 101. Because there's, let me tell you something, I know thousands of entrepreneurs that don't understand the basic, basic foundations of entrepreneurship, the PLs, the business plans, the boring stuff, right? They don't know that because it, to a certain extent, the world won't make you learn those things,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? But if you don't learn those things, it'll hurt you. I'm not saying it'll keep you from being successful, but it'll hurt you. Now, that's one of the benefits of if you do go to college, they're going to actually make you learn these things. Usually, the only reason I know these things is maybe. Someone, somebody, maybe. maybe, good point, is they made me learn these things. Who made me learn these things? Banks, financing companies, lenders, companies like that that said, I'm not just going to lend you money because you say you can turn this into more money. You need to show me a plan. And so I had to learn how to write a business plan. And we have some free resources on our website, laundermatmillionaire.com. We have free business plan templates and PL spreadsheets and pro formas and different things like that that'll help you specifically in the laundromat industry. But I think that's where I would start because I'm envisioning teaching this class to, you know, pretty young kids. And I would tell them, hey, there's there's so much information out there now about how to build a product and how to run a business and how to scale a team. And, you know, not everybody trying to teach these things actually knows what they're doing. But there's plenty of people that do know what they're doing. You'll find that information. Um, And there are plenty of, by the way, accountants and attorneys and stuff teaching you the formal aspect to it. But I look across my industry specifically, laundromats and dry cleaners. I look across the industry, and most people do not know the basic fundamentals. Now, that doesn't mean they're not successful, but they are, there is definitely a hole in their business because they're running it on a whim. They're just collecting money, depositing money, paying the bills, and spending the difference, and they do it over and over and over again. And they're you know you can get through life that way. I know people that have done it their whole life, um, but but there's a there's a better way. And it starts with kind of some real basic core fundamentals. I know that sounds super boring, but that's what I would do if it was young kids. Is make sure they understand those things. You don't, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't take a whole degree uh, to to understand basic finance. You know, it doesn't take it. You don't have to get a degree in economics to understand the basics of economics. Just the foundational stuff. We don't have to get too fancy. Just the foundational stuff because most small business owners don't know those things, and they don't. You know, they get to a point where maybe they have some level of success, and they don't think they need them. They're like, well, I've done this well without them. Like, yeah, but look at all these
0: holes I could poke in your business if I really wanted to. Right, and most people don't need to know all of the tax laws Mm -hmm. or the finance laws. They need to focus on, um, dare I say that, the 20% of information that's gonna make the biggest impact. Sure, just the basics, just the (laughs) basics. You can hire people for
1: everything else. You, You generate enough revenue. You can hire an accountant, you can hire an attorney. And if you generate enough revenue, you can hire a really good accountant and a really good attorney. And those are, you know, there's. you
0: don't need to learn all those things, but the basics, you need to understand the foundation of your business. Dave, that is exactly why I bring folks like yourself on this show. And that's the whole reason why I created the show, because I want to learn what are those foundational things that will make the biggest impact as well. So Dave, this has been a fantastic conversation as, as always. Where can people learn more about you and everything else you have going on?
1: Yeah, so I'm on social media. Uh, you can find me, DaveLawner um, or I'm sorry, Dave Laundromat Millionaire men's on social media. Uh, we're on LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, we're not on TikTok, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, and our website, laundromatmillionaire.com. Like I said, we have a lot of free resources on there. If you're interested in the laundromat business, we have a, we even have a, a free, uh, Facebook page. It's called the Laundromat Millionaire Owners Group. Um, that you could, if you're on Facebook, you can join that completely for free. If you're just kind of intrigued about the industry.
0: Um, but that's, that's kind of where you can find us. Dave, thank you so much. Yeah, you got it. Thanks for having me, Tyler.